Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, and I'm super excited to have Jen Myers back with me today. She was one of our launch guests, and I loved hearing her story about how she is an entrepreneur and a homeschool mom. And in fact, she is the founder of the Homeschool CEO Community, which is for homeschoolers who are also entrepreneurs, which is actually not as uncommon as one might think. (laughs) So today, welcome back. And I'm excited to hear more of your story and we'll just chat some more about that. So can you just start off by telling us a bit about your story about how you got into homeschooling and then an entrepreneurship? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, entrepreneurship has been part of my entire life, starting in first grade when I was selling Little Debbie snacks on the playground. I learned that if I could steal them from my parents for free, I could sell them on the playground for 25 cents, which when you're seven, that's a huge ROI. But um, with homeschooling, you know, I know I mentioned, I believe I mentioned it on the last podcast, but I didn't intend to homeschool. I was a very reluctant homeschooler. In fact, it was the last thing that I had planned to do. Uh, this wasn't in my plans that, you know, my kids, my older three were in school. We had one going to private preschool and two in public school. And it wasn't until the teachers actually sat me down, two of our three teachers over the course of two weeks during parent teacher conferences, our oldest daughter was, has some learning disabilities and, you know, back then she's 24 now. So back then there wasn't services available like there is now. And the teacher actually sat us down and said, you know, Hey, school, the school system is not where your daughter. And I, I said, yeah, I, I understand. Like we, we were struggling and she recommended homeschooling. And I said, no, 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 no. I, I have other plans. This is not, this is not on my list. And the next week, our preschool teacher sat us down and said, yeah, you can't send your son to kindergarten. And I said, well, why not? And she said, well, because he's at about a third grade level in everything. And I said, well, what the heck are we supposed to do? And she said, have you ever considered homeschooling? And I was like, I was, I remember saying to my husband and looking at the teacher saying, you've got to be kidding me. Two teachers, two weeks, no way I am not homeschooling. The next week, long story short, I found out I was pregnant with our fourth baby. He was our bonus baby. He was actually conceived three days before my husband's vasectomy. And so with that new surprise in our lives, we decided to try out homeschooling. (laughs) We intended to do it for one year and fell in love with it and continued to do so. We're now entering our 17th year. But during that time, my husband also had a business with his uncle and so I said, okay, I'll, I'll do the business thing with them. But I was kind of in the background, to be totally honest. It was an automotive shop. You know, I showed up, I helped, but it wasn't my business. So we actually ended up selling that business with his uncle and then started an ATV business. With that, so here I am as an entrepreneur with my husband. That's our sole business. We're homeschooling four kids under the age of eight. Life got a little crazy, as you can imagine. <laughs> And it was really lonely. 
you know, I would go to these co-ops and I would look at these other moms and I couldn't connect with them. For some reason, things, I would see the world one way and it felt like they were all seeing this world a different way. And so I kind of withdrew and said, okay, there's, there's nobody like me in the homeschooling community. I'm, I'm alone. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. And for the longest time, I didn't even realize what made me different from them. But I just knew that I was alone. And so I started to kind of lose myself. I didn't have this identity as a mom. I didn't really have this identity as an entrepreneur either because, you know, there's working moms and there's stay-at-home moms and there's homeschooling moms. And I just felt a little lost. Fast forward seven years, we sold that business, uh, which was the best thing we ever did for our marriage. Sold that business. My husband took a job. We relocated. And I still kind of struggling at that point going, who am I? What do, who, what makes Jen, Jen, you know, what makes me, me? And during that time, my husband and I had some struggles. He walked in, basically said, you know, I'm done supporting you and the kids. You'll have to figure out some other way to make money. My money is my money. We aren't in this together anymore. We aren't a team. And I said, okay after I picked myself up out of a bucket of tears and said, screw you, I'll make my own, I'll just make my own business because I had believed I had to be with him as a business partner in order to scale to the money that I wanted to make. Um, the next day I started my virtual assistant's business, then became niched down to Facebook ads, hit six figures my first year. Well, right after my first year and then um, founded homeschool CEO. Because I knew that being on this journey of entrepreneurship and homeschooling alone, was a it was a lonely journey. And I thought there has to be at least a couple other people like me out there somewhere in the world. And here's Facebook. I can just start a business. Or I can start a free group. And that's what I did. And they started coming. And they started coming. And now we have a thriving community. But it took me really figuring out who I was as an entrepreneur and as a leader and as a CEO of my family and my business in order for me to take that journey and become who I was always meant to be. Oh, I love that story. I mean, there's so much, so many good points in there that you had, you know, actually the first interesting point is that you actually had all these schools recommending that you homeschool. <laughs> which doesn't always happen, but there is always some sort of a call, I feel like, to homeschool moms. Because I've always thought, you know, what sane person would do this? <laughs> you know, if you, if you look at it logically, it may not make the most sense, but if, if there's that call, that feeling that comes to you, and you just know you've got to try it and do it, that's powerful stuff. You know, Molly, Funny thing is, I don't know that I ever felt called to do it at the beginning. Right. I did it because it was the best thing for two of my three kids. And then we said, well, if I'm homeschooling two, I might as well pull the third one and at least try all of them. And it was just something that we tried because we were out of alternatives. You know, we looked at the bank account and to be totally honest, if we could have afforded to send all of them to a private tutor, I probably would have chosen that over homeschooling because I didn't think I was patient enough or I didn't think 
I just didn't think it was me. I, you know, because I would look at these other homeschool moms back then. That is not the case in today's world. But back then, I didn't feel like I fit in with a lot of them. And so, and that was an identity issue with me. But I didn't really, I just did it because I thought, you know what? I can catch our oldest one up, our youngest one at the time. I figured we'd figure out something with him. But uh, it's so crazy how the universe, you know, God, or depending on how your audience believes, is that there's so many signs to help us stay on the right path. And, you know, I I didn't even want to homeschool, but here I am 17 years later, absolutely loving it and still doing it. Yeah, I totally relate because you know what? Truthfully, I didn't feel called to homeschool either. And I was a reluctant homeschooler as well. I didn't want to do it. In fact, I thought it was a terrible idea, mainly because my parents actually homeschooled my younger brother and sister when I was in high school. And I thought that was a horrible idea as a teenager, <laughs> which is sad now. But I, I mean, so a lot of people, when I tell them that they, my parents homeschooled my younger brother and sister, they're all like, oh yeah, that's why you homeschool. I'm like, no, actually it made it harder to decide to because I didn't like uh, what I saw. I thought, oh, because they were just really doing school at home at the time. But yeah, it, it is interesting where when you look back, you can kind of see how you really did get that call. Like with you, you got those people, those teachers, you know, telling you over the short span of time, if it hadn't have been within two weeks, you might not have noticed that. <laughs> and, and found out I was pregnant all at the same time. Literally, I had to have so many like flashing red signs to say, this is where you need to go. Yes, yes, yeah. And I had the same issue too, where I was like, I don't know how to do that. For me, I was like, you know what? Rocket science. I would be so comfortable with that because that's the degree I had in, in engineering. But like me teaching little kids, I'm so disorganized. I don't know what I'm doing. I was so out of my comfort zone. Well, for me, I went to school for psychology and was on my way to graduate school when I got pregnant with number four. And I actually wanted to teach at the college level. I always wanted to be a teacher, you know, even in undergrad, I ran the tutoring center and I would teach other students and how to write. And I would uh, run study groups and all of those things. I love to teach even in homeschool CEO, you know, this morning before this podcast, I did a live teaching on how to schedule priorities and I love to teach. I just didn't want to teach my own children. I wanted somebody else to teach them just, you know, being totally transparent and honest. That's what I wanted. And I'm so thankful that, you know, God had other plans and I, I had the privilege of being able to graduate three of our four and our fourth one will graduate here in just a couple of years. Yeah, I'm right there with you because I don't know that I would have taken this whole journey because that's not what I thought I wanted because <laughs> I didn't want to do that either. And, but it's been one of the best things I ever did, but you know, you brought up another interesting point in your story too, where you said you, you kind of felt like you lost yourself in this whole mothering, homeschooling thing. And, you know, you said you had to figure out who you were. So what did you do to figure out who you were? Well, I started, I, this may not be what you want to hear, but I started, I went through Groupon. And I said, what is the one thing that I would never do that I want to try? 
And I started pushing myself. The first thing I took up was pole dancing. Um, <laughs> true story. Pole fitness. It's fantastic sport, ladies. If you're listening, I absolutely loved it. Fell in love with it. But I started to try all these crazy things. And I started to understand that I could be more than just a mom and more, even more than just a business owner, that I could have my own likes and passions and desires and hobbies that were completely not related to my family. And still, but I could still love them. And I was still a good mom and I was still a good wife. And as I began down that journey, I would journal, you know, what I liked about different experiences, what, um, what I didn't like, I would try some things and then, you know, say, okay, this is not for me. I joined an adventure women's group. That was not for me uh, because you know why? Because they weren't entrepreneurs and I love entrepreneurs. <laughs> awesome. Oh, actually, I love that answer because what you really did is you got out of your comfort zone to see if you could stretch and grow. And that's really what we got to do if we're going to find out who we really are. But I also love this whole idea that you can still be a good mom and wife, but you're the one that makes you happy. Yes. So by doing what you did, you, you just decided to find how you can have your own delights in life instead of putting the pressure on everybody around you to make you happy, which I think so many times that's what we do. And we, we turn into these mother martyrs because we have to do everything and we're never happy because no one's paying attention to picking up the slack. <laughs> I see that happen so often, particularly with moms who, you know, are stay-at-home moms that don't have any outside hobbies or activities. And I'm not saying that every mom has to start a business, but they don't, they lose themselves in motherhood and they sometimes as women, we can play that mom martyr, like you said. And I think a huge step to, to outgrow that. And that's really what it is. It's a growth. It's yeah. maturing out of that is to go on that path of self-discovery and figure out what we, who we are and what we like and to be okay with that and to give ourselves the space and, just the, the permission to do that. Yeah. I like that. Giving yourself permission. And it's so true because like I fell into this trap too, with losing myself for sure. I threw everything. I mean, partly because I was just having babies all the time and nursing them and getting no sleep. And you know, you do lose yourself, but, but at the same time, I didn't realize that it was up to me to make myself happy. And I actually thought it was selfish to want anything. And I remember this one time I went to this class and the presenter said, write down something that you want on this piece of paper for you, just for you. I literally could not think of anything I wanted, which is kind of sad looking back, but for myself, I, I could think of all sorts of things I wanted for my kids, but I couldn't think of anything I wanted for myself. And then I finally hit on an idea and that was, okay, it's August, peaches are in season. I really just want some fresh peaches. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really where it had to kind of start for me. I was like, I, it's okay for me to want fresh peaches, you know? <laughs> 
And, and I did get some, which was awesome. It was such an awesome feeling that I could get fresh peaches and not even feel guilty about it. No, it is okay to want things for ourselves sometimes if it makes us feel happy because we are the creators of our own happiness. So true. So you mentioned a big part of your story. Your husband came in and said, you're going to have to figure out how to pay for the kids. Do you want to expound on that story? Because that seems kind of a, like a big moment in your life. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, we kind of laugh about it now, but what it came down to was he took a six figure job because he didn't, my husband is not an entrepreneur. That's ultimately after years of marriage counseling, that's what the conclusion we've come to. I am the entrepreneur. Obviously that's why we've, I've now built three six figure companies. Um, he is not, he wants to be an employee. He wants to have that external accountability and that steady paycheck. He doesn't have the internal drive to go the extra mile. And he's a great guy for the most part, but, um, you know, that's just not who he is. And he took this job and it was six figures, which by all rights, you should say, Oh, we have plenty of money. But with that job, we had to relocate. And we relocated to a really expensive area right outside of Chicago where six figures did not go very far. And so when we moved, we technically, when it all came down to it, as an entrepreneur, you have limitless income. You make, you work, you make money, you can scale. When you're an employee, you have a set amount of money. And so now all of a sudden we weren't making as much as we were making before when we were when we had a lower cost of lifestyle, we owned our own business, we, you know, we were in control of our income. And that came to quite a, as quite a shock to him, I guess, without, you know, I don't want to run him down because he is a good man and he does work hard. But, but with him, he just, he wanted to buy, he, he wanted to buy a motorcycle. That's what it came down. It was all over a motorcycle. And he wanted to go buy a brand new Harley Davidson motorcycle. And I don't even to this day, I don't remember how much it was. It was like maybe 40,000, not even a huge amount. But at the time that would have been like half of his year's salary. And we were living in an expensive area and I knew that the money wasn't there. And it wasn't as if he could just go take on a few more clients like we could before. And so he was angry because I said, no, we're not buying this motorcycle. And he said, yes, we were. And we had a huge fight and he stood on it for a couple of weeks. And then his conclusion was, that's fine. He made the money. It was, it, we were no longer in business together. Therefore, I had no say on what we spent. And he has since, just for the record, he has since apologized for the situation. But uh, he will tell you, well, it was actually the best fight we ever had because it catapulted the business for me, which was really the start of me coming into my own. You know, so there's, I just want to make sure that we look at both sides of the coin there for that. But when he decided that, you know, I still remember the fight like it was yesterday. And he said, you know, he was just done. He was done giving us money and he was going to go buy his motorcycle, which for the record, he did buy his motorcycle. And I'm sure you'll get notices from people and messages and saying, I would have left him. And just for the record, I did leave him later. Uh, but we... You know, sometimes in life, 
there's obstacles and we can choose to crumble underneath them or we can choose to step over them and then conquer them. And that's what I did in that moment. Rather than fighting more with him and holding tightly to that money and saying, well, I'm your wife. I get half of it. I'm raising the kids and going on and on and making all of the excuses, which by all rights, I could have. I could have. I mean, I know you all can't see us, but like Molly shaking her head. Yeah, I could have. I could have said, no, I'm entitled to this. My value is raising the kids. And I could have done all of those things. I could have cried and threw a fit, but I didn't. I mean, I did, I did cry. And just for the record, big old bucket, bucket of tears. But once I got past that feeling sorry for myself, I just stood up and said, not a problem. I will take care of this. I will make my own money. And within a year I was out earning him. Wow. You know, that's a powerful, powerful story. I have a friend who says, sometimes blessings look like barf. <laughs> um, kind of sounds like that incident may have been that sort of thing there for you guys. Um, and you know, often we do need incidents in our life that are inciting incidents that make us choose a different path. So that's so interesting. You know, at the time it was horrible, but in retrospect, you know, you're like, wow. <laughs> Well, in retrospect, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was the best conversation we could have ever had. It was, it was such a blessing. I don't, I'm not angry about it. And that's why we can share it now openly. We both talk about it because, you know, he understands where he was in that moment. And we understand that the pressures that were on our marriage and our finances and all of those things, we realize that and we can acknowledge that and we can both own our own shortcomings while still embracing the beautiful experience that came out of it. And that's what I always want to encourage people. You know, you can be in the worst situation, but if you look for that opportunity amidst that obstacle, there is always something there, always. Yeah, for sure. And you guys are still together. Yep, we are. We did have a probably eight-month separation this past year. So, But yes, we are together. And you're still looking for the opportunities among the obstacles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And I also love it too. You know, you, you, it would be extremely difficult to have your husband come to you and say, I'm buying a motorcycle. You take care of the kids. Yes. No one would want, no mother would want that <laughs> for sure. But I love your response to that. I mean, yes, you cry. It's, it's hard emotionally process this but then at the same time you took your power back because you said I get to choose how to respond and and you could choose to respond with courage and you did and that is awesome and you know what else I found too an unexpected blessing is I didn't realize that for so many years when it was our money when we were creating the income together, I was kind of like you were, Molly. I didn't want anything. I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't buy things for myself. And I think there was almost this underlying guilt of I was taking from our family finances and spending it on me. And why would I do that when we have four little ones and a husband and all of these things? 
But once I was able to go on my own journey and start my solely my own business and to this day, although we are still together and I love my husband, he has zero input on my businesses. He does not, we talk about them sometimes, but he doesn't, he's not on my bank accounts. He's not, he's just not part of the business itself. And not because there's anger there, but because we just have a separation of, um, we have a family budget and then we have our own, own thing. And so I don't feel guilty when I, now I travel without my husband. I travel with friends and he loves that because he's on the spectrum, which I probably should have mentioned that earlier, that, that accounts for a lot of the, the issues in our marriage that we've had to work through, but I'm able to do all of these things because I make my own money and I'm able to stand in that and not feel guilty because I still know that I'm contributing equal amounts to our family finances. Plus I can do these other things and not feel, and feel proud of it instead of guilt. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think the, the thing with money is it's so related to our own personal value. And so it can get really jumbled up in a marriage. You know, and I was also thinking too, you know, not every mom has to make money. Right. Right. But it's okay for moms to make money. And I think that so often that's such a hard thing for many of us moms to wrap our heads around because we think if I'm making money, then I'm neglecting my family. And I know you have some really good thoughts on that about priorities. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And in fact, this morning before of this recording, I was talking about, I did a Facebook live in our community and I am big on scheduling our priority instead of prioritizing our schedule. And I actually learned that from the late uh, Stephen Covey, Covey, I think, I think it's Covey. Um, and I read that a long time ago and I realized that everything in our life is important, but it's not all urgent. And I learned that if I start my week with a empty calendar and I schedule in time for the things that matter most to me, whether it's self-care, exercising, time with my kids, time with my husband, you know, we have a weekly date night. I have a weekly uh, breakfast with my son who's 21. When I put those rocks on my calendar and those are not movable, I spend those time and I put my priorities first. I don't feel guilty when I fill the rest of my schedule in with work-related things or self-discovery or whatever that looks like that week because I know that I've made my priorities my priority. And they know, my kids know, oh, I'm on the calendar tonight at 6 p.m. Mom is going to stop and pay attention to me from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And they know it's coming, which means they're, I mean, my, my youngest is 16, but he knows he can wait if he needs something in the afternoon if I'm on a business call because I'm filling his cup at the same time every night. He knows it's coming because he's my priority and I've scheduled him in. Yeah. And that's, it's such good advice and it works so wonderfully when we remember to do it, but sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> you know, why do you think that it's such a struggle for so many moms to put in, to schedule their priorities instead of just go off their to-do list? Because I think there's such a dopamine rush by feeling needed and 
that crisis of check marking, like, oh, I solved that problem. Oh, I crossed that off the list. And I think the society has programmed us that the busier we are, the higher our value and worth is as a mom. When in reality, we can't give from an empty cup. And we can't, and it just puts us in this, if we do it that way, if we just go through our to-do list, checking everything off as it pops up, we aren't serving anybody. We're not serving ourselves. We're not serving our families because we're always in this reactive crisis state that ends up with us being feeling like a hot mess all the time and we're frazzled and burned out. And for what? To feel more busy? I mean, what's the point? And at the end of the day, we still don't, we still feel like a failure because we didn't make time for the stuff that really at our core mattered. Yeah, so true. So true. I mean, I was caught in that. I always picture it this way. I'm, I feel like I'm a giant hamster in this big hamster reel, just always running, 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 but never getting anywhere. And, and you know, it's also kind of like when you're, you're, you're really just putting out all the fires and that's why you're a hot mess because you're putting out fires, right? <laughs> but it's so true. We definitely, as moms, tend to put our self-worth on what we checked off for the day and yet that's such a miserable way to live because, you know, if you do keep a to-do list, you know that for every one thing you cross off, you added three more on. <laughs> so yep. that's going to work for you. Not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to shift that, you put those priorities first. And it's At not- least schedule them in like put them on the calendar. It may not be first thing in the morning. I think that's where a lot of people get confused. They think it has to be the first three things you do in the morning. Now I do preach the main three things every day, you know, three things with homeschooling, three things with business. If you only get three things done in each, those three things are probably the most important. But when I'm talking about scheduling your priorities, you're scheduling blocks of time that where you are focusing on what matters most to you. So it might be your priority is exercise and you want to put that every day between 6 and 6 30 a.m or something like that or your priority is for us a big thing was read aloud time we never missed it that was something we scheduled in we could work other things around it but we always had that read aloud time because that's when we would snuggle on the couch and have hot tea and read a book you know that's what we do Yes. No, I, I think that's a really good distinction too. just say we we're, we're, if you're scheduling your priorities, it doesn't mean you have to do it first thing of the day. It just means you're plan you're being very intentional and you're planning on doing it. Now, sometimes I know things, you know, that I think really matter to me the most, like exercise, say I couldn't get myself to do it for a long, long time because I didn't like it. <laughs> So what advice do you have for moms who have priorities and want to make things priorities, but then they don't get around to it? How do you, how do you get yourself to make yourself do it? First of all, give yourself a whole lot of grace because none of us are perfect. Uh, Secondly, make one step in front of the other and then do 1% better each day. So let's say your goal is you want to exercise 30 minutes a day. In fact, 
I just went through this. I bought a treadmill and my first day, I'm going to walk an hour. Jen did not walk one hour. So then I said, okay, what can I do? I started with 10 minutes and that's what I walked. And then the next day I walked 15 minutes and I just kind of built up from there and realized that sometimes though, sometimes you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do the hard things that you don't necessarily, doesn't feel good in the moment, but you know that it's going to feel good when it's done. You know, I don't always feel like getting up and exercising, but after I exercise, I feel so much better. And then the other thing is, you know, we just, I just finished the book finished by John Acuff and understanding what intrinsically or what motivates you, whether you're intrinsically motivated, extrinsically motivated, whether it's an accountability buddy that motivates you, what really helps you finish a goal. And then making sure that you're stacking that along with whatever goal you're trying to reach. Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. Because we all reach goals differently, you know, and I think too many times when we start off a goal, we get all excited, but then we lose motivation because we didn't set up the system or the way that's going to work for us to keep going. Hey, funny thing. I read the book finish as well, but it took me so long to finish it. <laughs> I'm not sure why I, I, I don't know, but I, I think I forgot about that. I was reading it in the middle and then I, I found it again. I was like, huh, I probably should finish this book since it's called finish. <laughs> it's a good book. Highly recommend it. It's a good one. If, if you need help finishing goals, if you, if you find yourself trapped in that whole cycle of, um, I'm going to do this for sure. And then after three weeks, you peter off and, and give up again. And but sometimes I do want to make it a, a um, clarification. Sometimes it's not that we quit. It's that we choose to stop because it's no longer serving us in life. Yeah. And it's okay to give yourself permission to stop something that no longer is serving you. I mean, I joined Beachbody and I realized a couple months in that it was not my thing. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I was miserable. I need, I need to talk to somebody when I'm exercising. It's me, you know, right now it's me, the treadmill and clubhouse, because I can at least have interaction with people all at the same time. And that's important to me. I'm a social person when it comes to exercising. And that's, and so, sometimes you don't know that until you've tried something. So yes, yes. it's okay to shift gears for sure. Yeah. No, but I like far, that. Like what you said earlier about just finding myself. And if there's anybody who's on that journey, you know, finding yourself may not mean starting a business or it may, if it does, I would love to chat with you more. Feel free to DM me on Instagram, but it may not mean that it might just mean that you take up a hobby that's just for you, or you find a friend that you can just really grow. Maybe you do a book club or my cousin does knitting you know, anything like that, something that is for you that's outside of motherhood and being a wife or a parent in general, or any of those things, something that is just you as a woman and as a person. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I love that. And that really what it is, you know, for, for mothers, it is easy to lose ourselves in the service of our families and, you know, thinking we have to do all the things for everybody else but the kids are going to be fine. They're, you know, it's okay if we take a few minutes for ourselves to 
Well, I was going to say take an uninterrupted shower, but I'm not even sure I still get those. But, you know, take a shower, <laughs> maybe interrupted, and that's okay. You know, it's okay to exercise. In fact, it's a good thing because you'll feel so much better. Well, like I always tell my, like when I'm with my business coaching moms, sometimes I'll, they'll say things like, well, I don't know if I should, if I should take this time and build my business. And I said, what would you say to your child? You want your child to be able to follow their dreams and to be able to follow their passions and do what lights them up. But your children follow your example. And so as moms, we almost in some ways, not to put the burden, any more shame or guilt or burden on us as moms, but if you're ever struggling with, you know, is this really beneficial for my kids? Remember, you are the example that your kids are following. When you chase your dreams and your hobbies and your passions, it gives your kids permission to do the same for themselves. Absolutely. And I think that's a huge part of the hero journey model, because you want your kids to go on the hero's journey. You're going to know much better how to lead them if you're taking that whole journey yourself first. And I actually love something that you said on your uh, Facebook Live this morning that I wrote down. because It was great. You, you, you mentioned that there was a mom who said, I really need to just focus on my kids. So how do I contain my dreams? How do I make them smaller? And you said, don't dream smaller because you have kids. Dream bigger because of them. Because that's what opens up their world, their opportunities. When I mean, you dream big as a mom. And I think too many times as parents, we shut ourselves down. And then we try to make our kids dream big. And we're trying to live our dreams through them. And gosh, talk a lot about, you know, that's a lot of pressure on them. <laughs> <laughs> so why not just live your own dreams and then you're going to know how to empower them to live theirs. So Absolutely. Good. Yeah. So good. I love that. Well, I think our time is about up. And so why don't you just explain a little bit more how people can find you if we do have entrepreneurial, I, I can't even say that word, entrepreneurial moms. <laughs> um, how to find and connect with more homeschooling entrepreneurial moms. Absolutely. All right. So if you are a mom who is an entrepreneur, owns a business, or wants to own a business and you homeschool or want to homeschool, we take those people as well. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We have a free community, the Homeschool CEO community, or you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, all the places at homeschool CEO. And uh, I would love to connect with you there. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing your story, because I think it's the stories that really connect us all and bring us hope, you know, especially when you're in that space where you are running like the giant hamster in the hamster wheel and you want to see that there is something more or, and, and, you know, there is more than just always changing diapers and trying to do the mom thing because there is you too in this life too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> All right. This has been such a great, great time. Thank you so much for ha having me, Molly. All right. Thank you. And we'll see you on the next podcast, which doesn't actually make sense. So tune in and listen. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com.